I'm Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life full of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. It's my hope to inspire you to begin creating a new narrative, revolutionizing the way we live, and creating a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Kirby Ingalls, and I am here with Richard Kaufman, the comeback coach. Richard, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, guys. My name is Richard Kaufman, also known as the comeback coach. Um, I'm the guy that um, when you ever, when I first started out, um, I was the guy you didn't want to be around. I was the guy that, you know, if you guys are in the military, we always knew that guy that was the dirtbag. That was me. Uh, and um, eventually, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of uh, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11, uh, 9-11 changed my life and uh, changed my perspective on things. And that's when I started becoming a leader was, on the, um, the evening of September 11, 2001. So now, you know, I'm a podcast host. I'm retired military, uh, father of three, and married to a beautiful, my beautiful bride. Now I'm just living a life and trying to, you know, let people know that um, it doesn't matter where you're from. It just mat- matters where you end up at. So I'm, I'm the guy that, you know, uh, I'm the guy that's, I told you so, you know, some people were like, I knew he was going to end up one way. And I, unfortunately, I fortunately um, didn't end up the way a lot of people thought I was going to end up. Well, thanks Richard. Thanks for sharing a little bit of insight into who you are and who you were prior to nine 11. I also was a uh, veteran pre nine 11. And I would say probably most people today that are serving or uh, may have served may not remember uh, what it was like prior to 9-11, the complete transformation that not only uh, our military and our country went through, but us as well. I remember I was in Egypt at the time when the towers came down in a third world country, in a Muslim country at that. And uh, I was living life to the fullest. And all of a sudden, like when I came back, you know, six months later, uh, everything had like changed. Like there was TSA, there was barricades, there was this this complete transformation of the country, Um, which kind of leads me to my first question. You know, I've read your book and, you know, I I have a a pretty good understanding. We've known each other for several years. So kind of help the audience kind of go back in time a little bit and share with us a little bit about, you know, what life was like for you growing up and, you know. I grew up, my, um, my father left when I was three months old. Uh, my mother was an, an active addict. Um, we moved around a lot. Uh, by the way, my mother's been clean and sober 28 years. She got sober after I did. So, uh, but we moved around a lot. Um, and I went to like 13 different schools before I went to high school. And um, I had my first taste of alcohol at the age of 12. I was a full-blown alcoholic by the age of 13. Got out of, got thrown out of uh, 
high school for doing stupid stuff. And uh, I figured, you know, I had nothing else left to do. It was, it was either, you know, in my mind, either go to jail or join the military. So I joined the military and actually did both. I went to jail in the military, uh, stayed for two and a half years. Um, I got six Article 15s, two field grades. And I think Uncle Sam finally decided that, you know, he didn't need me as a nephew anymore. So he booted me out. <laughs> and I'm one of the only guys you'll ever meet that actually got back in the military after being booted out mm. and was about to be thrown out again because I had a bad attitude um, for a second time. They were going to boot me out at the end of September of 2001. But because of what happened on that Tuesday morning, uh, my whole life changed and my thought process changed. And uh, I cried out to the Lord and I, I became a broken man that day. And I said, Lord, if you give me another chance, he's already given me like 300 chances. Um, I called my company commander, my first sergeant. And I said, you know what? You know, I'm sorry. And uh, I want to dedicate my life to helping people that can't help themselves. And my, you know, my company commander, you know, they, they heard it all, they heard all the BS before, but they seemed some, they seen something different in me and they decided to keep me. Thank God. Um, so within three years, I became a soldier of the year, non-commissioned officer. And I finished with over 23 years in the military national guard and, um, and active duty time, but I got hurt or else I would have done 30 years in the military. That was my goal. But you know, when, once you get hurt and you can't and you're blind, if you can't see, you can't shoot. So they kind of uh, medically discharged me on uh, 2012 is when I got discharged. Well, no, I appreciate you sharing all that, in, you know, insights. I, I know we have a lot of parallels. I mean, even I had a drug and alcohol problem growing up and, you know, at this, about the same time frame, you know, about the same ages as you as well. And then it was the National Guard, right, that my grandparents had persuaded me to, to go into. And they were like, hey, you got to get out of here, right? So because, you know, this isn't going to be good for you. You need to go in the military. You learn some values, grab some discipline. Not that they weren't teaching me values, but they knew that that was an opportunity and that was going to open doors up to a lot of different things, much, much like yourself. Um, and then there, you know, you obviously had challenges in there as well. You know, when you were growing up, uh, just much like myself, like, what did you think your life was going to be like when you got older? I, and honestly, I never expected, and I told everybody, I'm not going to live past the age of 25. Mm. I never had any plans because like, I'm not going to be here. So, you know, what, what is there to plan? So I just, everything day by day minute by minute, hour by hour, and whatever happened, happened. So I never planned anything. Um, you know, now look at, you know, years later, I'm almost 53 years old. So thank God that plan didn't work out, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. Um, you know, you, you, you did 23 years in the military, you know, you got that second chance on, well, maybe third or fourth or fifth, I don't know, but you know, whichever one it was on nine 11. And, and again, that was a transformation for many of us. Um, not only uniforms and all kinds of other things, but a different war on two different fronts. And, you know, again, you know, our country completely changed and we're here recording this right after the anniversary of Afghanistan, 20 years later, 
and mm -hmm. we're no longer there um, with just a small force left in, in Iraq. But how is your life different than you imagined? You know, going growing up and, you know, you said your mother was an addict and you were an addict and, you know, you, you know, you were bad to the bone all the way through the military until that day. And then yeah. it changed. How is that? How, how is that different than what you've completely imagined? Like, where are you at today? Well, I mean, and if you guys, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, I'm actually in New Jersey. And from our, if I stand on the steps of my house, I can actually see where the tw Twin Towers once stood. Mm. So, you know, that's how close I am right now. Um, but, you know, I, I also live three miles away from the parking lot where I was homeless for a year and a half. And here I am, you know, able to own my own, own our own home and have, you know, a beautiful family and, you know, beautiful kids and a beautiful wife. So um, the Lord has really blessed me, but he's kind of took me all different kind of ways. Is you know, a lot of people when they succeed, they just straight shot up and mine went like this and this <laughs> went around. So, you know, and then after I, you know, after they, you know, retired me. Um, you know, I got, I was at my, my lowest point um, when they, you know, when they said, Sergeant Kaufman, you're no longer Sergeant Kaufman, you know, you, you're, and that's when I, I had to figure, you know, who was Richard, you know, yeah. who am, you know, I was always, you know, it was once they gave me that second chance, I was that who a who a guy, I was going to every school, every class, wherever you wanted me to do, I'm here to be super soldier. And then when I was no longer, you know, a soldier, I had to try to figure out, all right, who's Richard now? And that, that was that was deep, having to figure out who I was and what my plans were for the next, you know, for the next few in my future now. Well, that's very cool, man. I, I, I appreciate that. So you you talked about relationships a little bit. So you mentioned that you have a lovely wife and three children, but you yeah. also mentioned a few times already uh, your relationship with God. So um you know, can you kind of talk to us about, you know, if you were always a man of faith or maybe you came at late age like myself when I was about 33 years old after I'd gone through some tragedies and, you know, I was rock bottom and, you know, that that's, tends to be for me, you know, what I experience when the father comes into your life and uh, really just blesses you. But, uh, uh, you know, tell me, tell me about that relationship a little bit. Well, the first time I ever went to church, or actually, I went, my mother took me to go see uh, Jimmy Swagger back in like the late 70s at, uh, I guess it was Giant State, whatever it was back then. Um, and that was my first, you know, first experience ever with talking about God or the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I kind of, when I was in the military, after I got busted a couple of times, and they put me on a 45-day restriction, a 45 days extra duty. I started getting into my Bible again and started reading them, you know, and I gave my life back to them. And then uh, after the 45 days, I took it back until uh, a friend of mine, and he might watch this when we um, talk, one of my friends, Sergeant Matt Matorian, uh, he actually led me back to Christ, and, and that was around 2004, mm. 2004 somewhere on there but you know I, i've always felt close to him but you know i know that i fail every day you know no man's perfect but you know I, I feel that you know i think my relationship with god 
got better when I stopped calling him God and started calling him dad. <laughs> you know, I never had a father, a real father. So, you know, once I started calling him, you know, once I became a dad is when I started, you know, calling him dad. Cause it's, you know, it's different when, when you're a father, you know, mm-hmm. you want to see your kids happy. You want to protect them and take care of them. So once you, once I changed the definition, you know, the name from God to daddy, things kind of change, you know, that, and that's when I started feeling a lot closer to him. Thank you for being a part of the True Success Podcast, hosted by me, Kirby Ingles. Subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, and Spotify to get your weekly updates. Well, that's what I love about you, brother. I mean, you know, and I say that, brother, uh, there's a lot of ways we can connect on that level, right? Because, you know, it's our father who are in heaven, right? Because it's our father. We're brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. Then we're brothers in arms as well. <laughs> we served the National Guard and active duty army together. Uh, regardless of what service, we're still brothers and sisters. Uh, but we've also been through a lot of the same things. You know, we had some drug and alcohol related incidents when we were children um, and, and a lot of that. But we also both grew up without fathers. So tell me, I mean, that's really important to me. And, you know, I'm really that's like one of the the things that I try to support the most with my business now and the coaching and the podcasting as well, you know, tell me how father, you know, not having a father had really impacted you and, and what you decided to do with what you learned from growing up without a father. You know, I grew up, but now I have to preface by saying, um, I grew up, my mother got remarried. Yeah. And, you know, my stepfather, which I call him dad. Now, um, we had a tumultuous relationship. And 80% of it was my fault because, you know, he was a guy that would come home, you know, after working 16 hours, 18 hours. And I'm sitting home laying on the couch and he'd get aggravated, you know, and I would sleep all day. And he, he finally threw me out, you know, I don't, and I get it now at being a dad and a father and a man, I get it now. But, um, and we made him just rekindled for the last couple of years and he's uh, dying of pancreatic cancer. Mm. But me actually got a chance to bond and everything now. But, you know, when I I didn't have a father. So, you know, when when we found out my wife was pregnant, um, I was so jacked and pumped, you know. But then all of a sudden I had I had an oh, crap moment. I'm like, what do I do? You know, how how, what is a father? How do I become a father? And then somebody I don't remember who was. I think it was Pastor T.D. Jakes. He had a book on fatherhood and I picked it up. And a lot of it was just, listen, you're going to make mistakes, you know, just roll with it, <laughs> learn from it, you know, watch what other fathers do, watch what the good fathers do and, you know, follow that, that role. You know, that's one thing about, you know, like your podcast is amazing. It talks about leadership, you know, mm-hmm. when I was at my bottom and I got busted at E1, I had to, I started thinking different. And started to do what the winners did. I started sticking with winners. So that's that's the same thing with fatherhood. I I was looking at people that were good fathers and seeing what they were doing. And, you know, I still mess up every time, you know, a lot. I find myself apologizing to my kids for being stupid. You know, I'll apologize. I'm like, listen, you know, I was wrong for yelling. I apologize. So, you know, I guess I'm, I'm just a work in progress. And like they say in the programs, you know, spiritual progression not spiritual perfection yeah i love it i love that uh i'm gonna have to quote you on that at some point (laughs) i love it i've never heard that before uh so tell me how has being a you know you 
a father of three now, but uh, how has being a father changed you? Um, it kind of makes it to where you want to make your kids proud. You know, mm -hmm. you want to, um, like, that's why I put the book out, you know, so when, when I do pass away, we all, we're all going to go. So nobody gets out of here alive guys. Sorry to tell you, but, uh, you know, and when I, when I met Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, we were talking and he said, just remember, you know, your legacy is more important than your, is more valuable than your currency. And it really got me thinking, you know, what is my legacy? So that's why I wrote the book and put it out. So when my, uh -huh. my nine-year-old daughter is old enough, she'll be able to read and say, you know, that's what dad was like. That's what dad went through. So now it's pretty much everything I do is about legacy. Anything I, you know, relationships, whatever, it's all about what, you know, building that legacy. So that, that's, you know, that's my thought on it. Just, you know, when we can leave our kids money, but mm -hmm. we, want to, we want to leave our kids as being good people caring, loving, empathetic. So, you know, just try to be a good role model. Yeah, certainly so. I mean, I, I love that. And that's a huge piece for me as well. You know, legacy. Um, I actually just reposted a podcast that I had done recently with Ben Kaloy about legacy and things like that. And I know, you know, Ben, Ben, I love Ben. Great guy. Uh, so we're all pretty close in this little network. You guys did a great episode too. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I want to ask you another question since we're talking about this legacy thing. What, you know, part of, you know, a lot of the times we think of legacy, we're leaving this long lasting memory, you know, something for folks to live up to, you know, to achieve, you know, overcome. I mean, you know, it could be a lot of different things. But one of the things I don't normally talk about that I want to ask you because you're ripe and rich in these as well from being in the military. You know, so what traditions, you know, would you like to pass on down to your family or to other, you know, maybe first responders? Because I know you work with those folks, you know, so there's probably some traditions that you want to pass on. And what might some of those be? Well, um, like three or four years ago, my daughter dressed up for Halloween as a police officer. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty cool. Um, I want my kids to respect the police department, first responders. Like my kids are taught. You know, um, if you see a police officer, go up and thank them. Just say, you know, thank you for what you do. I appreciate you. Because you don't hear that enough. Mm -hmm. You know, just like the National Guard, you know, we, you don't hear anything about the National Guard until crap hits the fan. So that's one thing. Um, now, my family, we were joking about this yesterday. Um, they call it Kaufman time. You know, where you're five minutes, if you're five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. You know, <laughs> always be 10 minutes early for whatever you do. But I think, you know, passing on, like my son, you know, he's, he didn't think he was going to make the soccer team, but he started showing up at soccer practice an hour early every day, you know, running the practices. And now they made him team captain. So sometime, you know, you know, there's never a traffic jam on the extra mile. And I teach my, I try to teach my kids that, you know, um, just do whatever you do, you know, give you, give it a hundred and hundred and ten percent. And you'll succeed in life. So I think, you know, if we could teach our kids, if we could leave, leave our kids that, they're always going to be successful no matter what they do. So I think, you know, like I said, like Gary said, you know, your your legacy will always be more valuable than your currency. No, I think it's valuable advice for everyone to hear. You know, what uh, what is it like uh, being Richard Kaufman today? So you're you're an author, you're a podcaster, you, you speak on a regular basis. 
Um, you're the comeback coach. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like and what your typical day looks like. Oh, uh, well, um, because of one of my friends, his name is John McCaskill. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he wrote, a, he's a retired Navy SEAL commander. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wrote a, a great book and, and something that I'm trying to change is I'm trying to change my rituals. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you know, your night ritual and your day, your morning ritual will dictate the rest of the whole day's ritual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at night, you know, I try on the weekdays, um, not watch any TV, you know, any blue light. Um, I listen to, you know, maybe podcasts or something before I go to bed at night. So I'm not thinking about anything negative overnight. Then, of course, I do my prayers when I wake up, when I go before I go to bed. And then when I wake up, um, I say, you know, if I can, op if I open my eyes and I say, I can see, because a lot of people, you know, don't realize when you're blind, you know, you, you go through a lot of mental stuff when you're blind. Mm -hmm. um, so when I wake up, if I open my eyes and I can see, I just say, you know, thank you, Lord. You know, you gave me another day, you know, let me do something positive with it. And, uh, and my, my friend, John's book called, his best book called Embrace the Suck. He talks about, um, you know, the first 15 minutes of your day, mm -hmm. you know, don't look at your phone, you know, maybe just go sit on the couch, do a couple of breathing exercises and just try to, you know, have a little bit of peace for 15 minutes. And that, and that's the way I set my day up. And then thank God, you know, now with the podcast, it, it keeps me really busy. I'm, I'm still doing a lot of interviews, but, you know, thank God for Calendly because it saved my life. Uh, you yeah. know, things on my calendar, um, I got to make sure I have everything. Yeah. Calendar or else I'm just totally lost. And then a lot of times it's been going back and forth with my friends, you know, from the, uh, the tribe, you know, talking to them. I talked to a lot of people that are still struggling with, I look for ways to try to bless people. So I usually go through my Facebook feed and if somebody's struggling, you know, I'm, I'll be like, Hey, Brian, are you okay, bro? You want to hop on a call? And sometimes that's all somebody really needs is somebody just to be there for them. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's always been, you know, there used to be a group. I don't know if they're still around. It's called the promise keepers. And they always talked about standing in the gap for somebody, mm -hmm. you know, for me, you know, I, I, in 1989, uh, I was looking at five years jail time for grand larceny. And the guy that I robbed, which was a police officer, actually gave me a break. And, and he decided not to send me to jail. Mm -hmm. So it's and then when I, you know, 9-11, you know, I was about to be thrown out. And, and my company commander, which is still a friend of mine, um, Scott McDaniel. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um he stepped in the gap for me. So there's always somebody that's been in the gap for me. So I want to be that guy that, you know, if you're struggling with something, I'll take the arrows for you, but just know that you're never going to be alone again. And that's my, you know, that's why I did, we had a mental health summit today. I decide on April 3rd, and I think we might be doing it this year. It was a free mental health summit for first responders, police, police officers, first responders and, and veterans. So it's all about giving back. Um, everything I do, I don't make money off of it. I know my podcast, I, I don't monetize it on purpose because then, you know, people will know, well, he's not in it for the money. He's just in it for the change. So that's my goal is just to save a million lives. So that's what I do now that, you know, and I, like I said, I speak, I have a Facebook live show every Monday night uh, called the Monday Night Comeback. And I have friends like you that, you know, I could just, if I'm struggling with something, I could just reach out and 
be like, hey, bro, I'm struggling. And I know you'll be there for me. And I want to be there for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, what got you into this line of work where you were working with first responders and, and helping people overcome challenges and, and using a lot of that uh, resilience training that I'm sure you received through the military too. Uh, well, what happened was um, I was, this whole time I was in the military, I always had a job at the gym at uh, um, GNC, vitamin shop. I was always in fitness industry so you know i've worked with people from wwe nfl major league baseball and our one of our friends donnie boyvin had me on his podcast and we were talking about you know what i was doing because at the time i was working with guys from the wwe and then he started asking me about my backstory and every time i wanted to talk about my front story he kept going back and you know he said you know there's so many fitness guys out there He's like, but not a lot of people have been through all the crap that you've been through. Maybe you can use your story to help somebody else. And that's when the whole book came about. And that's when, you know, after I met Gary V and we, we chatted for a little bit, you know, that's how the podcast started. So, you know, it, it just, it's an, I mean, uh, I never planned to be a, a writer or a, cause like if you, if you read my book, it sounds like it was written by an eighth grader because I, I meant it that way. You know, there's some misspellings in there but it sounds like my voice when you read it. Mm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't ghost written. So, you know, I, I just want people, you know, I always want to be the real me. I'm, I'm the same guy on social media that you'll see me when we go to the mid conferences and stuff like that. And I just want to be that guy that's relatable that somebody can talk to. And like, I can't picture myself sitting down with Jocko and having a cup of coffee, <laughs> but there's certain people I can sit down. I can see, I can say, you know what? I can see me sitting down with Ed Milet and having a cup of coffee, you know, and I, and I want to be that guy that's relatable where people be like, you know what? He seems like he's got it all together, but you'll see on his posts on Facebook, sometimes he's still struggling and I can relate to that guy. And I want to be the relatable guy. That's cool. That's cool, man. I uh, appreciate you mentioning our good friend, Donnie Boyvin. Uh, he's a little rough around the edges, but we still love him. So yep. uh, uh, I've been trying to get him on this podcast a few times and, uh, we keep hitting and missing for different reasons, but uh, uh, I think we got something coming up here in the future. So we'll get yeah, his was the first the first podcast that I was ever on was a success champions with Donnie Boyd. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's good at holding people accountable, and getting them to do what you know yeah. be doing. So I'm not surprised that he was part of that story about the book. So uh, no, I appreciate that. That that's there were some really cool insights. Um, you know. I know you talked a little bit about the, the, you know, your blindness, leaving the military. You want to kind of help tie those two together for us. Cause I know that, you know, you explained a little bit more about it to me before we got on the show here tonight, but kind of help people kind of key in on that a little bit and understand the, 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 the connection between the two. Yeah. Well, if you guys ever watch TV or if you've ever been in the military, you know what a home V looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was, vehicle broke down i had to back them back my vehicle up now if you guys ever driven in a humvee or was ever in a humvee everybody knows as soon as the vehicle stops take off your hat put on your salt cap you don't ever wear your kevlar for some reason i did that day i don't know why it was a god thing um and it was a new it was a brand new private you know who's a who's a e2 i think 
and he didn't know really know what he was doing. It was his first time. So as I'm backing him up, it, he must have seen something different. Because So instead of hitting the brakes, he hit the gas and ran over the whole right side of my body and ran over my head. But the only thing that saved me was the Kevlar. And uh, I was okay. You know, back then I was jacked. I was like 173, shredded. Um, and I just got up, shook it off. I'm like, I'm, I'm all right. I got, I'm all right. I got this. And I got back in the vehicle and within, uh, 72 hours, I lost my total vision in my left eye. And in the military, you know, if you can't see, you can't shoot. But I finished AT cause I wasn't about to quit because I was the super soldier. So I did, I didn't, I didn't go home. I just stood my course and did what I had to do. And then when I got back, um, I went to a regular doctor and he's like, I can fix your eye. I'm like, great. You know, let's go for it. And he's like, if I don't have 10 grand cash, I can't touch you. So I didn't have 10 grand cash. So I had to go blind. And that's in my, uh, that's how I became blind in my left eye. And in my right eye, um, if you guys don't ever drink five energy drinks in a day, that, that's not good. But, you know, I, I got hooked on energy drinks and my sugar was high. And one day all of a sudden, pop my uh my retina popped off my eye so now i'm blind in my left eye and then i'm like 80 percent blind in my right eye but um you know they say god works in weird weird ways so i went to go i said doc just check my uh, my bad eye and he looked at me and he's like uh that's not your bad eye he's like you just have uh a cataract my like, cataract and he went and he put the, they put a new new lens on and all of a sudden, boom, I could see by like 50 to 80% better. Somehow the, the retina de uh, reattached in that my bad eye. So now my bad eye is my good eye. But um, yeah, and the military decided that um, they didn't need me anymore, but they can't just throw you out. They kind of put you in something they call it a warrior transition unit now. Mm -hmm. And for a year and a half, I had to go to drill every drill and, you know, and at, you know, when I went, I decided, you know, everybody else was playing checkers or playing, you know, cards. I would do that, too. But I started getting into books. You know, I started getting into self-help books. And, you know, I started reading books by Robert Kiyosaki and all this. And they kept mentioning a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. And I'm like, who is Gary Vaynerchuk? And then I picked and I started listening to his podcast and um, started reading his books and then one day somebody said, you know what, Gary's father lives in New Jersey and has a, a liquor store in New Jersey. So me, my wife, my wife drove me there and Gary happened to be there. And I got to hang out and talk with him for a little while. And that's when the whole thing, he said, you know, I said, I want to start a podcast. And he's like, well, what do you do? And I told him everything to come back. And he's like, so you're the comeback coach then, right? I like, okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know as we talked and um i said gary you know i'm not leaving here without you know a, a nugget you know you're gonna have to give me a nugget or else i'm not leaving and he said you know what you know if you want to be successful in social media you know people have to find you i said yeah he said but you know something what, what way you can do that is if you you just hashtag the comeback coach on everything you do from now on, people will be able to see all your social media with just one hashtag. And that's one thing that I did. And, and, and now people, if they want to just find out whatever I'm doing, they could just hashtag 
they'll come back coach you the cups up on everything. So that's just a tip for you guys that are uh, doing your own podcast or your own business. Make yourself a hashtag. It works and it's free. No, it's really cool. I appreciate you sharing how your time in the military has affected you, and you know, and your relationship with Gary, and you mentioned several other people on here already. Uh, you know, you've been touched and impacted by a lot of people, but I'm going to have to ask you a really hard question. Uh, so I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this for me or not. Uh, let's, let's go for it. So who has been the biggest influence on you up to this point? All right, I'm going to go with two. <laughs> I'm breaking the rules. Uh, first will be my wife. Okay. Uh, hey, yeah. yeah. Well, the reason was, my wife knew me when I was that 17 year old kid that was struggling with addiction and, uh, and I was a wild child and she loved me even when I was unlovable. And then now she's been through everything with me. And now when I, she literally has my blind side, literally. So I would say she, the, the number one person. And then the second would be um, Ed Milet. I think Ed Milet has probably been one of the, my, my biggest influences. You know, Gary Vee's great, and, but, you know, Ed is great, and, but he also has a, um, you know, he's also a believer. So that helps, you know, when you're sometimes when you're struggling, you just want, you know, and I've talked to Ed a couple of times and he invited me down to speak at one of his events. And I, I couldn't go because of my eyes. But I think I'd say my wife, definitely number one. And um, Ed Milet would be the second influence. Well, really cool. Thank you a lot. I appreciate that. So, I mean, that kind of that kind of lends itself to my next question because you've had a lot of the experiences and been a, through a lot of the things that you're helping people with today. I mean, you know, veterans who are transitioning, drug and alcohol abuse. You know, um, having to change careers and transition. Uh, you know, what experiences, right? What experience have you had that has helped you uh, see your gifts that you have so you can help these folks just a little bit more clearly? I just think it's um, because I think it's what other people, you know, I, I don't know how to say it. I, you know, I've seen a t-shirt a while ago. It said um, heroes talk about themselves, but legends get talked about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's more what other people say about me than what I say about me. Mm -hmm. So you know, I kind of, I'm that guy, like I was on a podcast the other day and they're like, you have a book. And I'm like, and I didn't even remember even having it out. And he's like, seriously, you know, it hit number one on substance abuse on Amazon. And I'm like, I don't think about it because I'm more about trying to help others Yeah, worry about, you know, what I'm going to get out of it. And I think, you know, like somebody asked me one one day, you know, if you could be a superhero, what would you be? And I would be empathy, man, mm. you know, because I, I, I try to be empathetic to people that are struggling because I've been there. You know, I've been there and I've done it. So and a lot of people, you know, I think, you know, even veterans or, you know, even police officers, there's that thin blue line mm. in the military. There's a thin green line that, you know, if two brothers are out having dinner we could just get automatically, even if we don't know each other, we can get deep. We can talk about whatever. And then, but when it comes to civilian comes, we kind of clam up. So, you know, that's why I think a lot of people like to talk to me because I've been there, I've done that and I don't have any, um, 
you know, I don't, I can't say, well, you're doing this wrong. You did this wrong. I, Cause I already did it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they don't feel like, you know, they're like, Oh, well, what is he going to think about me? And, you know, and like, I have people I've t- that I've talked and we, and there's a lot of people that we know um, together. We both know that have, have talked to me and whatever they said, their secrets are going to the grave with me. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I know that. I know that. I, I know, I know the company you keep. So, um, Hey everyone, this week I'd like to share with you a review from Matt Zinman. If there's any one thing about Kirby, it's that he does his homework about guests and develops pointed questions that, in all candor, have never been explored in my prior interviews. I've no doubt that his audience agrees with the value this provides. Thank you, Matt, for that wonderful review. Hey, everyone. Did you know that the number of True Success Podcast fans has doubled in this year alone? We must be doing something right. Let us know what keeps you coming back for more. This enables us to continue providing you the best experience possible, not only for you, but to help others understand how the True Success Podcast is helping make your life easier. You know, you're, I mean, you talked about podcasting a while ago again, and obviously you're a podcaster. You mentioned that earlier as well. Uh, and this would be an interesting question for you. If you could interview anyone, right, living, dead, who would it be and why? I think, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people now. Now I think I'm up to like 300 episodes, yeah. 350, something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um I interviewed a lot of great people, you know, veterans, police officers, authors, seven, eight figure earners. Um, I'd want to talk to Ed Milet mm-hmm. because, you know, when I, when I interview somebody, um, as you know, you've been on the show, mm-hmm. um, we go deep, you know, we go into the deep into the past and, you know, they call me the, the Joe, the, the GI Joe, the Joe Rogan of GI Joe's. Cause I'll go deep on you. I'll, you know, I'll, I'm the male Oprah. So I'm going to go deep. And I, you know, I would love to really talk to, you know, Ed Milet and say, you know, Ed, you know, now that your father's passed and he was a recovering alcoholic, yeah. how does that make you feel today? And, you know, and how does it affect you as a father? So I would try, I would try, I wouldn't even mention the jets, the houses. I would want to get to know Ed and, you know, and what he, what he's, his, what he's really like behind the suits and the old jacked up and the, you know, the, the, the jet fly in and all that. So that's why I would love to have him on the show. Cause I think he would, he would get real with me. Really cool. Really cool. Um, I was, I was, that's kind of, I was kind of surprised. So I've, you know, that was, I've thought you would be somebody else, but um, nobody I knew of, I just never thought you would say Ed Milet. So uh Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. So let me ask you this. Uh, what are you the most proudest of? My kids. Um, my son, my, my, my oldest is, um, he's a coastal Carolina. He's a sophomore and he's mm-hmm. kicking butt. Um, my young, my youngest, I mean, my, my middle child is, um, he's amazing. Like you said, he's captain soccer team and he's, um, crushing it in, in school. And my, my daughter goes in fourth grade, starts tomorrow. 
So I would say I'm most proud of, of, of my family. You know, I'm, and I'm very grateful to have a family. Being the guy that um, when I was younger, I, I could never picture having um, a, a family and having kids and a wife. I, I just never pictured it. So, you know, like the, the day my wife, my wife, it was funny. We were the day, I don't think I've ever told a story on a podcast. Um, the day my wife said, honey, you know, we're having a baby. And, and I was just, I was flipping out and, and I didn't believe her. I thought she was joking around. So I was, and I was like, uh, where do, where do you get the baby testers from? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, those tests. And, and she's like at the store, she turned around to do something. I shot out the door. She didn't know I was gone. And I bought two tests just to make sure that she was pregnant. It was the greatest day of my life. So my family is yeah. definitely the proudest thing that, that I, that I, in my life, my family. No, oh, man, that's pretty cool. I, I would, I would say that that's probably the same for me. Um, I would tell you that uh, my reaction was probably a little different than when my wife told me. Um, I, I knew, right. And I was just like, she was like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, okay. Yep. I did that. That's, that was going to happen. <laughs> I participated in that. <laughs> you know, like it was, and I, like one of the things that I, I try to be, you know, there's, there's fathers that are there, you know, but I always wanted to be involved. You know, like I was the, yeah. I was the first person to ever change my daughter's diaper. Mm. You know, I went to every doctor's appointment I could, you know, I, I walk her to school every day. Thank God for my injury. Cause now I can take her to school. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there, cause you know, there's a difference between, you know, giving presence and mm-hmm. giving it, your children, your presence. And I think that, you know, I, I, I try to be there as much for my kids as I can. And thank God, thank God for the injury. Cause now I'm able to put my daughter to bed at night. I'm able to take her to school. So, you know, sometimes God has different ways of dealing with stuff. Yeah, you know, I think that's, uh, you talk about presence, and I think that's quite interesting because uh, I remember when I uh, was in the military and Sergeant Major of the Army uh, uh, daily, uh, I think he was a couple of Sergeant Majors of the Army years ago, um, was around, and he talked about being present and engaged as a leader, and for some reason, those two words, present and engaged, well, three, but I'm not counting the and, but present, engaged. Uh, really resonated with me you know first of all you got to be present and then you know because sometimes leaders just aren't present you know and then they have to be engaged and uh for me you know that took on a whole new identity because i saw a lot of leaders present but not engaged but then in leaders that were engaged but they really weren't present if that makes sense and uh I began to think about that when it came to fatherhood too, and being a husband, like, am I present and engaged or am I engaged, but not present, you know? And so, uh, and if I'm not both, then I'm probably wrong. So, uh, you know, sometimes that's putting the phone away, turning off the TV, paying attention to what people are saying, you know? Uh, but I realized that, you know, I was absent in one way or the other, and it's really, sometimes it's no different than growing up without a father, you know, both of us, you know, didn't have a biological father in our lives. And you might as well have been one of those, you know, because just being a warm body in the house and, you know, that can be a form of fatherlessness in itself. And 
uh, I think that was really some, some sound advice. And I'd read an article. I mean, he didn't even tell me that. I just was reading an article one day and he talked about being president and engaged. And I was just like, boom, you know, my mind was blown at that moment. Um, so that was you really know, cool. With leadership, you know, we're, you know, once I became an NCO, I started to live the NCO creed. You know, I always put everybody ahead of me. And I was trying to further them. And it was, I think, I think, don't know the quote, I think it was from Zig Ziglar, but it might not be, you know, that people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And yeah. if you get, you know, if we're talking about leadership here, if, if you get somebody that a leader that gets to know you on a personal level, you're willing to go literally go through walls for them mm-hmm. because they know that you care about them as a person. And you're not just sergeant first class or first sergeant, you know, you're known as Joe. And, you you know, yeah. I know you have three kids and you have a wife mm-hmm. and your college is coming up and what college the kids are going to. Because that's when you start building relationships. And in business, you have to let people know that you care about them or else your business is never going to grow. You're just you'll never uh, have a strong team. And that's number one, number one thing of lead. Like even Gary says, you know, the, the best form of leadership is care. Because mm. once people know you care about them, you know, they're willing to, you know, go through walls for you. So that's, that's something, you know, we should, you know, as far as leaders go, we need to sometimes just listen. Because, you know, like you said, there's a difference between hearing and active listening. There's a difference. Mm. Yeah. And when, and once you do that in your, you know, in your household or in your team and your business, you know, I think that's when things start taking off is when you start, you know, being, like you said, present. Well, hey, man, it's been a really cool conversation. I got about four more questions for you. We're kind of winding down here on our hour. But, uh, you know, you're a man who's done many things and you've taken a lot of risk in your life. Some, you know, uh, riskier than others. And uh, we've all been there and we've faced danger together. Um, and we've done some really stupid things we probably would never do again, right? Um, yeah. You know, on the edge of a bender at times or two. But, uh, you know, what's what's the one thing that you need to do now that scares you the most? Getting my podcast out there to more people's ears so we can change more lives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's scary when you're you're okay you know for like i like me and you could be talking and say you know you know i'm going for i'm going for number one mm-hmm. but when you put it out in public that you're going for number one yeah it's the accountability and a lot of the people you know will doubt you you'll have your you know your pushers that are going to push you forward mm-hmm. but then you have people like I'm, I'm going i'm having a course with a friend of mine james mcneil about imposter syndrome so that's you know that's the thing i who you know sometimes i think yeah i'm good i'm going for number one but then that same day or the same minute i'll be thinking who are you to go for number one so i think that's one thing that i I, that i'm I'm going through now that scares me the most well that's really cool i mean and just to come out here and say that and to have it be broadcasted live and it's going to be out there forever now uh and that's pretty bold i mean and i would say you've probably already done the scariest thing that you know, you probably needed to do because going to number one is probably the easiest thing. Saying it is and putting it out there so people hold you accountable is probably the scariest thing. So, uh, I appreciate that.
but it's not and again it's not to for you know to be popular or anything it's yeah. just to be if i if i get more get more people to listen the more people lives i can change yeah so it's more impact than it is about you know being famous or whatever well i mean and then having to follow up with all that you know and helping them folks along and changing their lives and having the resources and the ability to do that so uh i mean you know there's there's a tall ladder that you got to climb still so but no, man, I, I really do appreciate that. And I really do appreciate you coming out here and telling us that and sharing, you know, what scares you the most. So, you know, um, you know, you, you've come a long way. Uh, where do you think you're going to be at in about 10 or 20 years? Or who uh, do you think you might be? I, I could see myself with my, with my wife and my kids, or they'll be out in college and everything. I could see us in a nice uh, house by the beach with a pontoon boat and enjoying life, but still being able to um, help people that are struggling, still get involved in the community. So that's where I see myself, um, you know, and, and just growing because I'm, I'm getting big into mindset. I'm mm -hmm. listening to a lot of mindset, a lot of, you know, uh, strategy and a lot. And, you know, like I'm, I read a book, or listen to a book from 1920 about, and they were talking about mindset mm -hmm. and, you know, who your, who your circle is. So now, you know, I, hopefully I'll get more further along and more educated on mindset, dig deeper into mindset. Yeah. So how, how would you at this point um, define true success? So you, you've, you've risen to the top, you've become, you know, the comeback coach, you know, you overcome a lot of hurdles in your lifetime. I mean, you become a published author who's number one in um, uh, alcohol and addiction um, on the Amazon's list. So, you know, what, you know, you, you've achieved a lot of accolades, but, you know, if you remove those accolades and you look for that intrinsic motivation, right, what's going to give you the most fulfillment? What is true success for you? For me, success, um, like I had an uncle, he died a multimillionaire and he, um, he only had like a fourth or fifth grade education, but worked his fingers to the bone. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what? He said, I got all this money, but I can't buy a single day. And I've had a lot of, you know, uncles in the past that really affected me. And, uh, so for me, I think in the end game, success is, would be the day, would be my funeral when uh, people come and hopefully have to have three or four services because I affected that many people. Mm. And for, you know, for people to come up to my wife and my kid to say, you know what, your husband and your dad, you know, he really, he really changed my life. Um, he you know, he, he, he made sure I put down that gun that I didn't eat my gun that day. Mm. I think that would be success for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty powerful, man. Um, with that being said, uh, what will your ripple effect be? So I know that you're a man of faith and you're probably familiar with this for, or this quote that's been attributed to Mother Teresa, but if you could cast, you know, a stone in the water and it would create a ripple effect, what would that be for you? That would be, and this happened to me uh, probably, it's been a couple of years now, but I got a, a text message saying, uh, I was watching one of your videos because I do a fun Monday Night Live mm -hmm. show a week. And he said, you know, I had the gun in my mouth. He said, I had the round chambered. 
and I was about to pull the trigger. And, but you said something to me that hit me. And I immediately put the gun down and called 911. And now I'm like, he, I think he was like six months sober then. Mm. And so just knowing that that gentleman didn't eat his gun that day. And now he's a father and going to be a grandfather. And that it, it didn't change the whole world, but it changed his world. And in turn, in turn, that will put the ripple out. So if I can, you know, have more experiences like that, then that's the kind of ripples I want to affect. Wow. Uh, you're talking some pretty powerful stuff, man. Um, you know, I mean, we're here at the end. So is there anything that you would like to say that you haven't said already or um, anything you would like to tell the listeners at this point? Yeah. Um, I, last April 3rd, we had a mental health summit which we had 10 different speakers like Robert Garcia, um, a bunch of people that are in a ment- like Annette, Annette Wittenberger, uh, Tammy Moses, that were in the mental health space. And the name of it was called Today I Decide. And I believe that those are the three most important words in the English language, uh, the Today I Decide. You know, like on that morning of September 11th, um, I, I was not the same person when I went to bed is when I woke up that morning. And that, and that was that, that day I decided that I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be that selfish guy anymore. So if anybody's out there listening to this, if you're struggling with anything, um, you know, just make that decision that you want to change. Because once you make that decision, then all you have to do is act upon it. And the hardest part is making that decision. So if any, you know, anybody's listening out there, remember the three most important words in the English language are today. I decide. Well, very cool, brother. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. Um, please let uh, let everybody know in case they're listening, and if they're uh, they want to, uh, we'll have the dedicated show page to uh, to this episode. You know, in the comments and the links below. But uh, where can everybody find you if they're just listening on the audio version? Well, like Gary Vaynerchuk says, just go to your search bar right now. Type in hashtag the comeback coach and it'll come up on all my social media everything that i'm doing all in one hashtag and it's free 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 well free is better so free is for me awesome so hey man i appreciate your time i appreciate the effort and you know just just sharing your your story with us and then what you're doing and just the impact that you're now having on and just not only veterans but first responders and and, and the world and uh you're you are a tremendous man and uh definitely definitely a blessing to all of us that are in that are in your world so uh, again from the bottom of my heart thank you definitely uh like i said i'm grateful for your friendship we've been friends for over a year if you guys want to know a great inspirational story definitely check out the uh, the episode with ben colloy with this gentleman it, it'll knock your socks off so so definitely check that episode out so you got to drop that link also all right richard i will do that as well and uh thank you for your time and uh again it has definitely been a pleasure all right, brother. God bless you and the family. Now it's up to you to put all this information into action. Please check out the links in the show notes, download a copy of the transcript, and smash that subscribe button. Leave a comment or review on your favorite podcast platform. 
Now go out and carry this story forward. My name is Kirby Ingalls. I appreciate you listening to this episode. Honor your service to others and love the impact that you are creating. You've been listening to the True Success Podcast. I'll see you next time.